This message comes from NPR sponsor State Farm. In the market for small business insurance, State Farm agents can help you create a personalized plan that fits your business needs and budget. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Picture three massive currents flowing through Ukraine at the same time right now. First, the war effort, as the outnumbered Ukrainian military fights back against the invading Russian troops. Then, the exodus of refugees, as millions of people flee the country they call home. And third, the flood of supplies going in the other direction, humanitarian aid coming into Ukraine to help people in increasingly desperate circumstances. This logistical labyrinth involves major international organizations and small grassroots groups, both inside and outside of Ukraine. And that's the effort we're going to focus on now, telling the story from both sides of the border. These four trucks will leave in a few minutes. On board are 16,000 blankets. They came in from Dubai uh, with with a nice big jumbo jet. 35,000 blankets have already passed through here in the last few days. Chris Meltzer is a spokesman for the United Nations High Commission for Refugees. We are in a parking lot next to the airport in Zhezhiv, Poland. When war broke out, this site became an operations center for UNHCR. The most important things, everything what has to do with, with cold and warm. So blankets, outer garments, sleeping bags. Here are also some uh, canned food. But can these trucks get into Kiev, into Mariupol, into some of these cities that are being surrounded or close to it? This is exactly the question. And that's why we, uh, we ask for these so-called humanitarian corridors to not only get people out of these areas, but also supplies in. We step out of the freezing cold to see the place where the supplies are being stored here in Zhezhov. It's a mostly empty warehouse, and Silva Alcabe says the emptiness means the system is working. She's chief of supply logistics here. You know, our target is to not have this warehouse full. We, whatever is in is out, if not the same day, next day. And how does that ideal compare to what is actually happening right now? Is it flowing the way you want it to? Exactly. It is like that, because just to give you a very concrete example, we receive a donation from IKEA, we receive shipment from our operation in Greece, and all of them already inside Ukraine. Even the airlift today is planned to move tomorrow. She grew up in Syria and has worked for UNHCR for 15 years in places from Darfur to Pakistan to Bangladesh. When... uh, Syria emergency started, this is when I start to feel the difference. Because when you see it happening in your country, when you see the system going to your people, it, you are connected. It's not just a job. It's much beyond a job. It's not just a humanitarian. It's something you know that, let's say you are helping here, someone is helping your friend, maybe your family in your countries. And so how do you think about the people in Ukraine right now? I cannot... <laughs> I don't know what to say here. It's like you are forced to flee your home, leave everything behind. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. You don't know who will receive you, how they will receive you. And all of that happens suddenly. You leave your family. Maybe your family, you will lose it. So I, I cannot even describe it with, war, with the word. It's not something, I don't know, I cannot describe it. Nothing could be worse than that. Back in the parking lot, the drivers are waiting for the final things they need before they roll towards the border of Ukraine. A 63-year-old man with gold teeth named Mikola asks us to only use his first name. He's been driving trucks since 1975. Over the windshield, he has a little red curtain for shade with white pom-poms hanging down. He still has family in Ukraine, and he worries about them. Especially my granddaughter, who is eight years old. 
She's really afraid of those sirens that sound every night. It's scary. What is the drive like? It's of course very dangerous. Wherever you go, whether it's the western or eastern part of Ukraine, they can start attacking you anytime, dropping bombs or whatever. Does that frighten you? What is fear? I may or may not be frightened, but I'm human, and I have to do my job. Today, his job takes him into a war zone. The trucks roll out, headed for the border. On the other side of that border, this river of assistance will join a much larger flow of aid. Groups small and large, official and unofficial. And our colleague Tim Mack has been spending time with one of those smaller unofficial groups in Ukraine. Hey, Tim. Hey there. What have you seen there on the other side of the border? So what's really interesting is these spontaneous humanitarian relief efforts, not particularly organized with international aid groups, but just among folks who want to help out. So on the first day of the war... There was this local here in Rivna Oblast named Vlad. He joined 13 of his friends, and they were brainstorming. What could they do to help? They started this telegram group. Friends invited friends. One thing led to another. And by the end of the day, 500 people were brainstorming about what they could do to help. In two weeks, that number was nearly 6,000. This is without the backing of any aid groups or formal structure. Wow. They, they arranged for a warehouse in Poland. They arrange for a warehouse in Rivna in northern Ukraine. They're gathering humanitarian supplies for civilians and troops. Here's me talking about it with Vlad. So basically anyone can write you and tell you, we need this in Kiev, we need this in Odessa. Yeah. And then you put that on a list and try to get them the stuff. And we try, okay. yeah. because it's hard to, it's hard with logistics. Oh, you can see. What's this? Where's, uh, where's the this new from? stuff is coming. Let's, let's go take a look. So where is this stuff actually coming from? Well, that particular truck arriving came all the way from Sicily in Italy. Its contents were handed off in Poland, then again in Lviv in western Ukraine, then now here in Rivna. It was driven that last little bit of the route by a lone driver, a man named Vilyen. What's inside this uh, truck? Uh, Food. Medicaments. Uh, First aid and uh, kids' food. So it's a really a sight to see volunteers without orders, formal orders, begin lining up. They form this human chain and unload these, this arriving truck. It has medical supplies, hygiene supplies, water, food, sleeping bags, tents, children's toys, even dog food. And all of this was organized spontaneously in 14 days. They're getting donations of supplies from all over the world one group of well-wishers even flew over a load of supplies from Brazil to Eastern Europe. This is such a contrast with what I saw on the Poland side. It sounds like a real hub of organized chaos. Yeah, I mean, there was always movement. They were either unloading a truck or organizing supplies that they had unloaded or pre-staging supplies to be loaded for the next onward truck. Tim, it's hard enough for the UNHCR, which has an international infrastructure, to stand up something like this. How did this completely improvised system get built in two weeks? Well, so as I'm asking this, they bring me back into this office. Uh, Villiers wants to show me their logistics process. This big, constantly updating Excel file with requests from various hotspots and supplies they want to pull into the country. Did he tell you about why he's doing all of this? 
I mean, it's really remarkable, right? Because it's all voluntary. This is all about people who want to do their part to contribute to the alleviation of suffering further east in Ukraine. For the people at the warehouse, they really feel like Ukraine and civilians like them can win this war against Russia. That's NPR's Tim Mack reporting from the Ukraine side of the border. Tim, thanks so much. Thank you. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.